0: Hey everyone, welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you so much for joining and listening this week. Um, if my background audio sounds a little bit different, I am sitting in my hotel room looking at the beach in Hawaii. <laughs> um, it's very early in the morning, so I wanted to record this quick podcast before I go down and have a big beach day. I'm getting very, very tan. <laughs> I, uh, we've been having a great time. so. Uh, but yeah, I didn't want to really get too off track with my podcasting or like the, uh, Bible, <clears throat> well, the Bible study uh, episode since I have those kind of on a weekly cadence and so I thought why not just wake up a little bit early and record this podcast super quick. Uh, we are on Deuteronomy 1 through 25 and actually like it's gonna be a pretty short podcast because this was essentially a summary of everything Moses has already told us or um, everything Moses has already did for the Israelites. So um it's not too much new uh it's basically a recap of all the rules so let me set the scene um basically the israelites are on the brink of entering the promised land they uh can see it if you go up this hill you can see it uh but moses has already been told that he will not be entering the promised land so this is moses's like final speech to the israelites this is all of deuteronomy is like recounting his last speech and then his last moments um living before joshua kind of takes over and goes and brings israelites into the promised land so this is when like moses's final hurrah and at least in uh, verses 1 through 25 This is part of his big speech where he's recapping what's already happened. So, I'll take it really quick, like verse by verse, but this is just a quick summary. So, Moses in Deuteronomy 1 is recapping how they left Horeb to go take possession of the land. Um, He recaps the appointment of the leaders, uh, how they wandered through the wilderness, and, and how Moses will not enter the Promised Land. Then he recaps them wandering um, in the hill country, passing through Seir, um, and basically is just just revisiting the entire journey and how they gained land. <coughs> in Deuteronomy 3, um, he recaps striking down the king of Bashad and then the cities surrounding them and completely destroying them. He goes over how they... Um, divided up the land by tribe um and talks again about how moses can't cross the jordan and I actually got really actually sad reading that part he sounded very sad but again like moses even though he um didn't trust god enough in that moment where he struck the rock instead of spoke to the rock that's why he can't uh enter the promised land um He accepts his punishment pretty gracefully. Like, he, you can tell he's really sad about it. He's like, and because of you, you know, I can't enter the promised land. He says it kind of over and over. But um, he never protests and says, like, I do need to enter the promised land. Well, maybe he does. I forget. But anyway, he seems to accept his punishment pretty well. Okay, uh, in... Verse 4, he says, hear the laws and decrees, and do not add or subtract anything from these laws or decrees. Um, He said to remember the miracles the Lord has commanded, to not have idols. Uh, He recaps the Ten Commandments in in verse 5. I almost just said episode 5. In verse 5, he recaps the Ten Commandments, and... Um, then he also talks that if you sin against them, it will be punished to the third and fourth generation. But if you are blessed, it will go to thousands of generations. So that's showing, um, you know, how God is merciful and good to the Israelite people. Because uh, he does have to punish sin still. We, we don't have Jesus yet. Uh, but he will bless you to the thousand generation instead of, you know, just the third or fourth, which is what the punishment carries to. Okay, in verse 6, he talks about loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, write these decrees and and these commandments. He says, like, talk about them always. You should be constantly uh, remembering them. Write them on your doorways, securing them um, on your hands and foreheads. And... We used to do this, actually. My family and I would, uh, every time someone got a new house, we would bless it. We would, like, write uh, this verse on our door frames. I think it was this verse. Um, But anyway, my my aunt and uncle lived in Israel for a a long time. And my family's been back to Israel a bunch of times. But while they were there, I think they picked up this um, house blessing tradition and... So every time that someone would buy a house, we would bless it and write this Jewish, uh, verse or command on our doorposts, which I always have liked. Um, this verse also talks about how God is a jealous God. Um, he said to not test God, like the Israelites have already done before. Uh, but like he's, he basically says that we should not be testing God later. It says that God will test, um, will test them because in verse 8 it said that God tested and humbled the Israelites but we are not to test God okay so in verse 7 it says that seven stronger cities in Israel will destroy wait it says seven stronger cities Israel will destroy in the promised land he tells them to destroy them completely and he reiterates that there's a direct correlation between obeying these commands and blessings getting blessings from God Um, so they are going to be led into like battles where they have to destroy more cities and they have to completely destroy these cities, like utterly destroy them and destroy all of their idols so that they're not like tempted to pity them and worship these other false gods. Um, this in verse eight, they talk about how man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes, um from god they talk about discipline (coughs) um and then god they also talk about here about that god is the is the one that gives the ability to produce wealth so outside of god you have no ability to produce wealth which i thought was a good reminder today too like everything we have all of the money that we have is just because he has provided it for us even if we're working you know to earn money He has given us the ability to work or the ability to go find that job or whatever. So it's a good um, reminder that even today, like the only reason why we can accumulate or produce wealth is because of God. So that's why I think that tithing is really good because it helps remind you that like this money only is because of God. Like I only have this money initially because God gave it to me. Um, and so, yeah, sure, a tenth goes back to him because I would have none of it without God, you know, I think that's a good reminder. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the beach, they're sweeping the beach with this, like, tractor thing, and I they just ran over this towel on the beach, and it got sucked up into the tractor, I wonder how that, how that works. Usually it's, like, all clear, and they're just getting out the garbage and stuff, but, they definitely swept up like an entire beach towel I wonder if he meant to do that I'm sure he did anyway that's a side note also guys Hawaii is the best I am having a great time it's so warm here (sighs) and I don't have to work really like I worked the first couple days to get something done but now I'm kind of like off the grid and it feels amazing I know I'm gonna have so much work when I get back. But it feels so good to just wake up and be like, what do I want to do today? I think I only want to lay on the beach. <laughs> so um, anyway, side note. But okay, so verse 9, um, it talks about how they're going to cross the Jordan. God goes before before you. Oh, and this was interesting too. He said, it's not because of your righteousness that, they go, that you're the chosen people. It's because of everyone else's wickedness. He basically was like, don't get too big of a head. You weren't chosen for this because you're so good. All the other people are just way worse. So, like, another way that God is humbling them. (laughs) Um, Because he says, like, yeah, you're not righteous. Look at what you already did. Like, you worshipped a golden calf. He brings up that. He said, you're a stiff-necked people. Um, Moses had to fast 40 days to make up for, to atone for the Israelites' sin. And this is interesting, too, because... um, it does talk about, like, how a lot of this stuff falls on Moses because he's the leader, even though, like, he had no part in the golden calf, you know, but he had to go atone for that sin and fast for 40 days and 40 nights because of the sin of the people, which makes me, like, kind of nervous, and I've seen this, um, I've seen this, too, like, with managers at work, I mean, this is such, in a smaller sense, but, like, when, 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 there's a manager at work and their team does something wrong even if the leader had like no scent or no real like direct hand in it he's just leading the group if someone really messes up the responsibility always falls on the leader which sucks like they have to explain everything for the um for the person what went wrong why how it's going to be prevented they get all the you know all the responsibility for something going wrong even if like really they had nothing to do with it so it makes me a little bit nervous to be a manager but i guess every manager has to deal with it since the beginning of time when moses led the israelites out because he he had to fast for 40 days because of what they did so that is a bummer um okay in episode or oh my gosh why do i keep saying episode in verse 10 god makes new stone tablets or moses is talking about how god made new stone tablets um They succeeded or chose the successor, Eleazar, to succeed um, Aaron. The Lord set apart the Levites uh, in this part, and then uh, Moses commands everyone to fear the Lord and to not be stiff necked any longer, which seems like a tall order because they've been so stiff necked before. They have complained like every minute of this journey out from Egypt. Um, And he also commands them to love foreigners. Okay, in verse 11, Moses is talking about, uh, again, love your God and keep his commandments. God will care for the land. This was a big one too. They said in Egypt, they had to like go toil and plant and really tend to the land. This land that God is going to give you, it overflows with milk and honey and God takes care of it. So they don't have to do much at all it sounds like and then this is also one where he says I set before you a blessing and a curse basically you can go one of two ways you can follow these commands and keep, love me and keep keep all these commandments or you can choose the other way to worship false gods and be under a curse essentially so this is where free will really comes in like he tells them all these things but plenty of people have chosen, like plenty of other people besides the Israelites have chosen and the Israelites have chosen to turn their back on him multiple times and it's always their choice like, they can do it, but it's not going to turn out well for them, really if uh, if they don't choose uh, the blessing okay, uh, in verse 12, he talks about breaking the altars of the enemies so again like not worshiping the false gods of other tribes or people um, okay god is going to choose the place of worship so there's going to be a central place um, where they will meet and worship and like bring their sacrifices and stuff and then they said rejoice before the lord in everything you do and then there are rules about where to kill sacrifices so it's like if the place that god chooses is too far away you can kill it In your own town and then eat it in the presence of the lord or you can exchange it for like silver and then come to the place that the lord chooses and then buy grain and stuff like that so it just rules about the logistics of getting a sacrifice to the place that the lord worships um you know throughout each different tribe okay in verse 13 he talks about false prophets don't follow other gods um anyone who is trying to convince them to worship another god they should stone um, even if it's family they said to have no mercy even if it's your own family member because all the evil must be purged out of the israelites so they don't want anyone like leading them astray to worship other gods okay in verse 14 he talks about clean and unclean foods uh again don't shave your head for the dead talks a lot about tithing and you're supposed to eat your tenth in the presence of God. So the other interesting thing about uh, tithing is that they ate their own uh, tithe. So they would like it says that they would take a tenth of their of all their goods and bring it to the central place, and then eat it in the presence of God. So they're like eating their own uh, sacrifice. Now I think we always think of a tithe as like I need to give ten percent to a church. I need to give ten percent to this, but like what they did was have a big, like, feast with 10% of their things, but then, like, ate it in the presence of the Lord, thanked the Lord for it, all that. So it's a little bit different. I don't, like, I think it should be... We've lost that, like, rejoicing part of, like, eating it in the presence of the Lord and remembering all that he's done for you. We're just, like, shipping off 10% to a church sometimes, you know. So um I might do a whole episode on tithing, too, because... Some people say, like, it should be 10%. Some people say it shouldn't be 10%. Some people say we don't even need to tithe anymore. And uh, I think we should be tithing and that it should be 10%. Obviously, you're not going to, like, go to hell if you don't tithe 10%. But um, I think the intent is to, like, realize that you only have what you have because of God. So give back to God a tenth um, is always a good reminder um, and I, yeah, I do think it should be a 10th and I don't think all of it has to go to your local church. Like, I think if you're going to a church, some of it should go there because they have expenses and you have to keep the lights on and stuff. But I think that you should leave it open to where God is telling you or leading you to give it. Cause I don't think it always has to go to just uh, like all of it has to go to your local church. Okay, in verse sixteen, he talks about—or no, sorry, fifteen—he talks about canceling debts every seven years, freely lending to the poor. Um, basically, he talks about the the year of jubilee, so servants are freed in the seventh year. Um, and again, the, he talks about firstborn animals being eaten in the presence of God without defect. Okay, in sixteen, he talks about talks about recapping all the festivals this is like the fourth time they've recapped the festivals I guess he really just wants to drive it home the exact festivals that they celebrate Um, and then he talks about appointing judges and showing no partiality to if you're rich or poor so he sets up like the justice system and says do not show any bias based on the wealth of the person okay in verse 17 Moses talks about how God will choose a king um, if there's a king that the Israelites would like to have, God will choose one for the Israelites. And the king must not accumulate lots of wealth or lots of wives. It's funny, like whenever God sets up something like this, like let's say the, the justice system or like the monarchy. He sets it up in the way that's like, don't do it how you, how people are normally doing it. So normally you would think a king would accumulate a ton of wealth and they usually had a lot of wives like in this time. And he sets up a very good system where he says, okay, yeah, you can have a king, but I'm going to choose a king. And he can't accumulate a lot of wealth or have a lot of wives. He's not supposed to take advantage of the people. He's just supposed to lead them. And the justice system says, we're not going to show any partiality. So it's like he does set up the best version of these systems, and then they get corrupted by humans. But the way that a monarchy is supposed to be is this, not accumulating a lot of wealth chosen by God. And the way the justice system should be is has no bias, no partiality. So, that doesn't always happen now, but uh, that's how he wanted it. Okay, in verse 18, he reiterates that the Levites had no land inheritance, which I think I missed the first uh, part of, you know, Bible reading. I thought that every tribe had a land inheritance, but... I think i just forgot that part the levites do not have land inheritance because they're the priests and so or they're the kind of the chosen tribe but they're supposed to the other people are supposed to kind of take care of the levites um there are offerings for priests that the levites take and stuff like that uh he reiterates no divin- divination or sorcery and talks about how they a prophet will be raised up which i think is elijah because um, I remember Elijah is like an old an Old Testament prophet and so I'm pretty sure it's Elijah that's going to be raised up. but I guess we'll see as I keep reading. Okay, in verse 19 he talks about refuge cities which we talked about last time. It's when if you kill if someone murders someone else, they can run to this refuge city and not get killed without a trial. So you're not allowed to find or you're not allowed to kill a murderer if they're within this refuge city. It talks about witnesses, needing <clears throat> needing multiple witnesses. You cannot convict someone off of a single witness. And then it reiterates the old, this old idea of um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which changes uh, once Jesus comes. But at this time, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. <clears throat> okay, in verse 20, I thought this was an interesting one. It says it talks about like how to go into a battle so it says like do not be afraid when going into battle a priest will address the people it also says you can go home if you're like engaged and haven't been married yet if you have a house but you haven't really lived in it yet like a new house um or if you have a vineyard that has not been enjoyed yet so it's like he's all about like um I mean, it's not like, hey, you haven't done anything with your life, you're 16, go into battle and die. It's like, hey, if you are engaged, but you haven't lived with your wife yet, go home, live with your wife, and then come back. So, it's only men who are kind of like, they've done all the things in life, and they could could die, kind of. Which I thought it was good. Like, I think that's a good rule. Um, and then it said, like, if you destroy the city, uh, or if you, you know take over a city and you destroy everything don't cut down the trees with fruit because they will continue to blossom you can only cut down trees without fruit um okay in verse 21 it's talking about an unsolved murder you have to sacrifice a heifer for the atonement of an unsolved murder um you can marry a captive woman it goes over that um yeah. This one talks about like having multiple wives and stuff, treating the wives well, you can't divorce um these wives. Like you can marry a captive woman, she can mourn for her family for you know 30 days, but then you marry her um and you cannot divorce. And that's a protection for the women um really because Getting divorced in that day was, like, then the woman had no protection. She wasn't a virgin anymore, so no one would would really want to marry her, but they had no property rights either, and so um, the no divorce thing was more of a protection for women. Um, Again, it talks about purging all evil, stoning a rebellious son, so, like, um, yeah, not just letting um, rebellion or worshipping other gods like don't let that fester basically um in verse 22 it talks about no cross-dressing it also talks about like having proof of virginity uh for like if a man accuses the wait what was it if a man accuses um someone of like not being a virgin Uh, his wife of not being a virgin they had to like prove that she was and if she was the man is punished um but if the wife let's see if if she is not then she's stoned um so if a woman yeah basically if like people cheat on each other um, they're punished, but if not, like, if a man falsely accuses a woman of that, then he is punished. So, anyway, there's there's a lot of different, like, scenarios in this one about that, but, um, it was kind of weird, the, like, proof of virginity thing, but that's kind of how they, how they did it back then. Um, okay, and then in 23, they talk about no Ammonite ever entering the assembly of the Lord, um when you go to war, the camp has to be holy and do what you have promised. Talks about that. Um, Deuteronomy 24 talks about um, if someone divorces his wife, not to remarry um, and to leave the, um, you know, the edges of the field and the gleanings. I think that's when you like pass through the field one time, there's like extra leftover, leave those, don't try to collect them, leave them for the orphans and widows. And then Deuteronomy 25 is a judge giving up to 40 lashes. Um, if a man dies and he has no son, his brother will marry the widow. Um, and being honest, that's what is talked about in 25. Which the uh, the 40 lashes thing comes back into effect because they ordered uh, Jesus to have 40 lashes, which I believe he only got 39 because they... Like, to keep him, uh, like, human again or something. Uh, We'll learn more about that in the New Testament. But they did order uh, Jesus, I think, to have 40 40 lashes. So, anyway, that is uh, all the verses that I went over for this week's episode. Again, it was, like, a big recap of what has already happened. So, it was a little bit hard to get through when I was actually reading. Because it felt like... I I read these all on one day. I didn't spread them out at all. Um, So, I was just, like, reading for a very long time, reading essentially what we had already read, just in a recapped version. The rest of Deuteronomy gets a little more interesting, though, because it's where, um, you know, it finishes the little recap, and then it commands, like, you know life and death or like commands them to choose life and death and then Moses dies so I mean it it's a good like completion to the story it just felt really long when I was reading it all at once and it was all just a recap of what had already what I had already read so um that is all for this week's episode again I think I'm going to do a full episode on tithing because that one's kind of a theme throughout this Um, but there's so many different opinions on it if that still applies today. But again, I believe it does. Um, I just don't believe it. I don't think we really do it like in the spirit of how it, how God commanded a lot of times. Uh, so yeah, so that'll be interesting to research, but, um, let me know if you have any questions. Also, I got the nicest Instagram message, um, on my millennial learns page. So go follow me over there. Go DM me. It meant so much it was so nice someone um said hey Abby I've listened to almost every episode and definitely the Bible study ones. I just want to thank you. It's been so good for me. I'll give you a good review very soon. I just wanted to say thanks. So thank you to Jordan for um sending that DM. Like that's so nice and I'm very glad people are listening and getting something out of them. So um, go leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, everyone who would like to, I would really appreciate it. Give it a, a five stars if you enjoy listening. And thank you all so much for, li- for uh, tuning in this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed the beach sounds in the background. You'll be getting another episode with beach sounds in the background on Monday uh, because I will be here until Monday. So thank you again. I hope you have a great couple days until um, until the episode on Monday. Thanks, everyone. Bye.